raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations. Because great radio is still fresh the second time around. Earlier today on the Mac and Bone Show. He's, he's very, you know, he's, he has a great defensive mind, uh, really great just football mind in general. Um, I think everybody knows that. So uh, really just for me personally, just learning as much as I can from him. And wherever he has for me, um, just lining up in that position, I know he, he sees, we've talked about my strengths and stuff, so he's going to put me in, in my position, in those positions, to, you know, towards my strengths. So, what have those strengths been? Um, you know, playing closer to the box, you know, obviously something I did, you know, early on in my career. Um, but, you know, also just playing in a slot and getting more comfortable there and, you know, just certain certain things, you know, bringing me on certain pressures and really just moving around and changing the picture after the offense. Mack and Bone with you. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Great conversation yesterday at training camp on Wes and Walker with Jeremy Chin. Great question from Walker, too, is, hey, what are those strengths that they're trying to play, too? And he mentioned the slot and getting him um, closer to the line of scrimmage. We must have the Jeremy Chin conversation. And last time we talked about Jeremy Chin, like what his role is going to be. And can Averro unlock him, and how does he do it? Last time we did this, I mean, I'm I'm hopeful but also partly skeptical. I don't know if that makes any sense whatsoever. I'm split on this. I see such a great physical talent, a size-speed combo that came into the league with such promise when he played outside linebacker his rookie year. But I also have seen since, and it's a different coaching staff. That's a big reason for optimism. I just fear Bone. Like, you notice, I don't even know if they've even talked contract with him. This is the final year of his deal. He doesn't have a fifth year option. I wonder if I wonder like, if they've asked Fitter that at all lately. That's someone needs to ask that question. Yeah, it's a good good point. It's the final uh, final year of his deal, right? Because he didn't have the fifth year option because he's not first round. We're pick. focused on Burns and yeah. not Chin. Yeah, I don't know if there's even been any talks. It's very quiet. So like, I don't know if they know yet if he's a part of their future, and it might rely upon what happens this year in the new scheme. And Averro is like, listen, you and I love Phil Snow. But this is the best coordinator Jeremy Chin's going to have. I think we all believe that. So here's the question. I want to bone. I know we got some peeps out there that fancy themselves as an amateur defensive coordinator, right? Don't we all think we can do uh, strategy, strategery? Don't we all think we can do it? Um, this so is this is Coach Bone. I'm asking everybody, Coach Bone, flip and everybody the, flip listening, the, flip the board over like old school style. Get the whiteboard out, y'all. Where what can Evero do? Like what can Jeremy Chin's role be? If you're a Vero, how you doing it? And and can he be unlocked? Like what? Where do we have to play him, Bone, in order to be unlocked? Last year, Bone was like, last year was to me the worst use of his resources. He played, again, you get all this stuff at Pro Football Focus, see like what area of the field he lined up in. His first two years, he was in the box more than free safety or in the slot um, by far. Even the second year when he was playing safety, they still had him in the box more than he was back as a deep, you know, free safety yes. or, you know, the safety uh, out of the box. Last year, Bone, he was in the slot 
playing that big nickel position more than anything else. And he was back at deep safety more than he was in the box. The box was the third place he was most likely to line up at. That needs to flip back around, man, right? Doesn't he needs it? to be a big, polite, impactful guy. He needs to be moving forward towards the football, towards the line of scrimmage. When he's moving back, it just completely took him out of those big play opportunities. Yeah, certainly he's still a good player, but for him to unlock the greatness, and that's part of this topic is how do you unlock the greatness of Jeremy Chin? Not that he's been bad, but how do you get to the next level? It's all about moving forward closer to the ball rather than moving backwards. When he's moved backwards, he gets that, lost and you don't even notice him sometimes. And they're there. definitely doing that. Like he said it there in that clip with Wesson Walker. The slot is forward, although my fear is bone. And I guess what were the numbers we had last week? Last year, Averro was in sub packages 44% of the time. Base. I think, I think 44 was right. Or no. Or was it 56% of the time? And in base, 44%. I don't remember the exact number, but it's it's in that area. I got to look it up. But, like, my fear is he gets used pretty much exclusively as a, like, big slot guy. You know? And I know I saw this clip when I was watching the the Queen City News coverage of the practice the other day. They blitzed him from the slot, and Chin says they're using him that way. He's a very good blitzer. And you're right there. Slot blitzes. He can get there real quick. I just I don't want him to be stuck just covering a tight end or a slot receiver. Like I I really think he could be great at like that nickel linebacker. Like remember when Thomas Davis and Luke played together as the nickel linebackers and they just covered so much freaking ground in the middle yeah. of the field? Like I view him and Shaq like nickel packages which they're going to play. I think it's I think that it was 56% of the time like sub packages. So you're going to be in sub package 56% of the time. I'd rather have him as that sub package linebacker. You can blitz him sometimes and drop him other times. But use him almost like a TD when it's third down and when it's a passing down. I just worry about him being used as a coverage slot guy like Matt Rules. Well, what he ruled it was Wilkes and Holcomb by that point last year. Yeah, that is probably the best way to use a Mac. And also, when we're talking about attacking the line of scrimmage, is there a... Remember when you think about some safeties of recent memory that would really be aggressive towards the line of scrimmage? Cam Chancellor would attack Somebody's bringing up Palomalu-type player. I was going to say the same thing. Those guys, they... Obviously, they could play in space and play center field, and Paul Malu can make plays everywhere. But when you think about Paul Malu, when you think about Cam Chancellor, it was those guys that would really attack the line of scrimmage with ferocity to stop the ball carriers, to sometimes jump over top of the defense. Is there an element there where he can really get in attack mode like those guys did? So you think they should still play him at safety? Because then you got to take I off think you can, Woods. I think you can, but I think he's going to. Is he going to have one defined? role on this team or is he going to be whatever the situation calls for that might be where he's best just a little bit of everything it might be at linebacker it might be they may use him and you know what that also throws off the offensive coordinators too when when you have a guy like that yeah yeah he will be a a game plan for him yeah he'll be a guy that coordinators hopefully have to where is he going to be where are they going to line him up at and stuff like that i agree with you on that what do you guys think is the way to unlock jeremy chin like what if you were to describe the role that you'd like to see him play this year and some of y'all are just saying linebacker um bone by the way your idea of having him attack like some of these you know safeties that are really up in the box and stuff your idea could go in line with one of our tacticians out there that's that, that literally sent me a, a picture 
of a formation that uses three safeties. So there you go. Maybe you and that guy need to get together to be co-defensive coordinators. I believe we call that back in my day the three safety formation. <laughs> now and what smart. it utilizes back is it utilizes Here's, three safeties. I like that. I like that description. What do they do with him on base downs is my question. Because clearly he's going to be a sub-package player. Like you go to nickel and dime and stuff. They're going to have him in the slot. I'd like to see him play nickel linebacker some. Um, they're going to have him blitzing from the slot and stuff like that. But what does he do on base downs? Like, is he just too small to play 3-4 inside linebacker next to Shaq? And put Luvu outside? He's 220. Is that just too small to play base down inside linebacker? And if Avera Uh, can't figure it out, then then he's this not going to be here long term. See, my fear is, and this is where people come out and call me a chin hater. I'm just trying to be realistic about it. Y'all call me a homer and say I'm unrealistic. Then I get realistic about something, and y'all want the homer man back. You know what I mean? It's just a constant battle. It's a constant battle I live, Bone. But I, I fear, is he one of those guys that's a great athlete, size-speed combo guy, but almost like Percy Harvin is on offense. Like, you just never know how to get the most out of him. That's my fear. But then again, if anybody can do it, Professor Evero's got to be able to do it if anybody can. Professor Like, doesn't he have that almost professor to me? He's got to be able to do it if anybody can. I would think. I just don't know what the best way to get him involved in base is. Like this texture says, Jeremy Chin is just a specialist player. He will play when you go to nickel and dime, but not in the base. Doesn't that feel like a waste, though, of his abilities? Yeah, yeah, yeah it does. Someone says that we got to trust Mac here. He knows Chins. He has a couple of them. Oh, oh hey, now. Oh, my God. A bone couldn't read that fast oh, enough, too. No, Seriously. I know. I'm reading, read it fast I'm reading it fast enough. Because we're not doing that around here, all right? <laughs> my man let himself go a little bit, okay? All right? He's working on things. Right, Mac? I'll have you know I covered my double chins up with a bit. This is a strategy. Grow a beard if you got a multiple chin issue. Tremendous idea. And then the beard's there, and you almost can't even tell anymore, man. All right? So I got a double chin defense system built in. Uh, But it's an interesting subject. This texture says... Troll bell needs to be hit. Just kiss his chin, sir. (laughs) Both of them. All right? Uh, My cheeks and my my chins. Kiss them all. Twice. All right, let's see here. What was I going to say? This texture says, I got to be honest with you. It's a great topic. It's interesting. But this is not one that will be solved on the Mac and Bone radio show. How dare you? You mean to tell me Averro's not streaming right now? WFNZ app, by the way, stream away and go back and listen to the podcast afterwards. You don't think Averro's streaming right now, but hour out of practice thinking, oh, finally, these guys are going to give me the idea of what to do with Chen. Uh, it would be a mistake to not stream us. <laughs> Trust me, the signal's good there. JJ streams us from camp. <laughs> That's right, baby. So he may be. So you're thinking he may be aware that we're sending Mark with a sign. JJ signed my belly. Do you remember last he year? That. Remember last year when JJ came by when we were there? He listened to the show in the first hour of the show. So JJ wakes. That's part of his routine. He yeah, listens to the show. He's slick. So he knows everything going on. I know. On. We're planning this Mark from Gastonia sign my belly sign. I think he's going to be all over it. Um, <laughs> uh, Mac and Bone with you, Sports Radio, ninety two seven WFNZ. Keep the text coming seven zero four five seven zero nine six ten. What are your? Yes, we are admitting to the last texter. We are admitting this is amateur hour of defensive coordinating. But what like are the things that you the roles you'd like to see Chin utilized in more? I think we all think in some capacity near the box. This texter says, how about outside linebacker opposite Burns? I don't view him as that sort of player either, though. 
Like that's an edge player. He's, too, he's, an not, edge he's player. not big enough for that. Um, but my, but a lot of people are telling this guy says if Mac thinks Chin can hold up for more than two games as an inside linebacker, he's du- he's dumber than we thought. Well, thank you, sir. That's so that's so you disagree with my quest, my point, and you rip my intelligence. As this guy just never watched like <laughs> modern day Do you NFL linebackers, like <laughs> base downs. You're in the base forty something percent of the time. Do you think that I mean, linebackers are lighter. But can you hold up inside next to Shaq at 220 on 40% of the downs? Look, if it's it's obvious rundowns, you're not going to have him in there. You're clearly going to have him out. But, I mean, if you got a guy like that that can drop into coverage, I mean, there's there's been for years an obsession with finding guys like that. Remember how much people loved Isaiah Simmons? I mean, I don't have to tell you guys that. You heard that leading up to the draft. So to have a guy that can cover like that. I I may have liked Isaiah Simmons. Yeah, but to have a guy that can cover like that, especially against some of these really, really good tight ends How much does Simmons weigh? Because Chins is listed at 220. He can't be more than like 230, yeah. 240. I, I feel a little better about it if he got it to 230. I don't know. This guy says, uh, Mac and Bone, I've got an idea. Let the great defensive coordinator figure this out. Here's the thing, though. And he will, and he won't listen to us. Right? But we do have to do a radio show, and it is a fascinating topic, even if our answers don't turn out to be that great. Like, it's right. I love those ideas. It's like, <laughs> hey, just wait till the game starts till you make predictions on the team. How would that go, Mac? Mac and Bone here. Yeah, what are we doing? The, the Panthers play the Falcons week one, and we will not talk about that until the game begins. What, yeah, what we be what doing? We, what for, are we gonna do though? We gotta we gotta analyze stuff in advance. Here. We're we not should, going Lock we City. Should just pull we gonna up, we should just pull up the stats from the 1996 season and just read them. Just off. read them off year by year. Matt but, Cocky Panther says uh, South Carolina has or had for a while. Good point here. The spur position, yeah, which is the hybrid safety linebacker mm. that they utilize. So could they do something like that? At times, uh, this texture says the book on Avero is very multiple. So whatever they're going to do is probably stuff that um, uh, will involve the multiplicity. There's no doubt. Yeah, like it, let's just let them. We're going to let them cook. But by the same token, I just want to say to that one texture, if we never like question what the coach should do or gave ideas on what we think the coach should do, like sports radio wouldn't exist. Like, that's its sole foundation, is that we're all a bunch of schmucks that think we have helpful ideas to the coaches, or we have a better idea. You know what I mean? They do. So work with us here, y'all. Be- it's beautiful. <laughs> they do hear us. They do know what we're saying. It's just they don't always take it to heart, what we're saying. Especially on tactics. Can't imagine, mother. You hear that Mac and Bone tactics segment? Every coach on the defensive side needs to listen to that segment. Tactical you know? radio. <laughs> I said tactical right there. I did not say testicle radio. That'd be a whole different thing. Listen to Mac and Bone every weekday morning from 6 to 10. Instant replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, 
jamming out to something new, and everything in between. You're listening to Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. This afternoon on the Wesson Walker Show. Weston Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Thanks for hopping on with us. As always, you can share your thoughts, your comments, 704-570-9610. Moving on to the Carolina Panthers side of things. And we got some updates coming from the second day of pads at training camp. Here are a couple of the tweets from Joe Person, from Carla Gebhardt, all sorts of people covering the Carolina Panthers down there in Spartanburg. Bryce Young fitting the ball into some tight spaces in red zone seven on seven drills was three of four with three touchdowns. And the only incompletion was a drop by Spencer Brown. And in those seven on seven drills today, by the way, Bryce Young threw back to back touchdown passes to DJ Chark. CJ Henderson, by the way, who tweaked his growing injury yesterday. He's not practicing. Marquise Haynes remains sidelined with a back issue. A couple of the injuries on the defensive side. But the real storyline here is the fact that Bryce Young had back-to-back touchdown passes in seven-on-seven drills earlier this morning. While yesterday, one of the better throws that Bryce Young had was, yes, a throw downfield to DJ Chark. And then we can go back to last week when he had two bombs back-to-back to... DJ Chark. Let's go to Frank Reich talking about that connection and how well it's developed so far. Him speaking about what's going down there in training camp. I am excited that it's happening. You're exactly right, Joe. I mean, it, it seems like they do connect every practice. Uh, you got two really smart players. DJ is a really smart player, very savvy and instinctive, and then he's got the speed to go with it. And I think, you know, Bryce obviously the same way. And, you know, I think that that's looked good. We're excited about that. Wes, I think maybe we, even with me really liking DJ Chark and wanting the Panthers to sign him when he was still looking for a home for quite some time, did we just forget that DJ Chark is actually a a pretty damn good football player? Like, really good wide receiver. Not Pro Bowl every single season, but does have one Pro Bowl nod under his belt. And it's not like he had an amazing quarterback throwing him the ball. Now, if you ask Drew, who is the biggest Gardner Minshew fan that I know... (laughs) He might say that it was the greatest quarterback. It's a weird affinity. Don't ask me why, but it's crazy take. Gen Z giant Drew, who loves Gardner Minshew. But DJ Chark has a season where he was able to amass a 1,000 yards. If you go to 2020, he played in 13 games. He had 700 yards and five touchdowns that year. If he plays a 16-game season, he's probably reaching 1,000. And pretty easily, to you know, be matter of fact. And then if we go back to last year... He played 11 games, but he was banged up. He was missing some of those contests. He had over 500 yards in a passing offense that had a lot of targets to throw to. Clearly not the number one wide receiver with Amon Ross St. Brown breaking out in a huge way last season. Wes, is DJ Chark going to be the best wide receiver on this team after we continue every day to see him be the main guy that Bryce Young is throwing to in red zone? So now it's not even just the deep pass, right? Like seven-on-seven red zone drills, DJ Chark, back-to-back touchdowns. If you're just rolling with actual team drills, DJ Chark, a couple of downfield passes there. Is he going to be wide receiver number one when it's all said and done? Uh, I would say no because I think that when you look at it too, 
they definitely have great chemistry that is building. And so I think that this is a player that's clearly going to be uh, one of those guys, especially when you talk about the, the deep ball connection that they could have. But I, I, you're hearing reports also that Adam Thielen has also been arguably the most impressive receiver while he may not be making the huge splash plays. They're saying that basically from reports that you read that he's unguardable. They say he's getting open often and Bryce Young is finding him as well. So to me, it just looks like that Bryce Young and the Panthers' offense is in a good situation with some receivers that are making good on being the bargain uh, free agents that they were billed to be. And these guys look like they may overperform instead of underperform. But you love what you're seeing from DJ Chark. So far, the size that's there, the speed, he looks like he's healthy. So things are looking up, though, for Chark. Yeah, it certainly is. And if you look at the separation he's able to create, I was f- trying to figure out if this was something that was always a part of his game. And the first thing you click on when you search in Google DJ Chark separation, there's a Reddit thread that says 538 ranks DJ Chark as the best receiver in the NFL separating on deep passes measured from 2017 to 2019. I, if, I think that's probably the biggest quality to look for to look for for a rookie QB, right? Like that makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. Rookie QB coming into the NFL, looking for the open guy. If there aren't many wide receivers becoming more open than DJ Chark, well, guess who's going to get the targets more? Guess who's going to get the ball thrown their way more? Whatever route you're running, whether it's seven on seven, whether it's inside the 20 yard line, whether if you got a whole field to work with, it's just, it's funny to me that DJ Chark is someone that we both liked. The contract's great. I mean, you're only on a one-year deal. The only reason you might not like it, honestly, is if you wanted to bring him in long-term, if you're worried about him having a contract year and then signing for bigger money elsewhere. So maybe that's one reason why you like it. I'm I'm falling on the hype train, man. And I always really like DJ Chark anyway. But if you just start to dig a little bit deeper into what he's been able to do when he is on the football field, I mean, look at last year when he was on, man, like Jared Goff, what was the first game back in the last five games of the season? It was a touchdown pass, you know, getting 100 yards. I think had a good game with Carolina, if I'm not against Carolina, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 108 yards on four receptions. Wes, honestly, like, let's just keep it simple. I think DJ Chark can just flat out ball. And I think that's why chemistry or not, hell, if you're getting more separation against some of these guys, maybe we just need to look a lot more into him and think, you know, this dude could actually have a pretty nice contract season. He could end up doing that for sure. I'm going to give a little bit of calls to pause. I mean, regardless, you know, we did talk about some of the injuries, 500 yards. Uh, last year, 154 the year before that, obviously injured, and then 706. So he has one 1,000-yard season to his name, and that was at 1,008 yards on 73 catches. So, yeah, I, I do think that he's going to serve the Panthers well at this point um, in his career. I don't know that I would you know, label him a flat-out baller, but I do think that he's going to be a good, serviceable wideout for Bryce Young at this point. And we'll see, man. I mean, Bryce Young could be the type of quarterback to elevate receivers in this offense, uh, and DJ Chark could be one of those guys that he takes to another level. Well, and I think also, too, it's not like you're working with someone that's real old. You know, he's 26 right now, yeah. so it's not like he's going to be 30. I mean, you got a couple more years before he's going to reach the back half. <clears throat> Excuse me. And especially with Adam Thielen being that guy, Thielen, who has... 
a great resume. I mean, especially after a couple of seasons of finding his way in the NFL, coming out as an undrafted guy, but real fast, and then an excellent route runner. Kirk Cousins had Adam Thielen as one of his favorite targets for sure, and now he's past 30, but can still really help as a possession receiver. So Adam Thielen is still your number one answer as the guy who's going to be the top receiving prospect at the end of this upcoming season. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he was the first guy that they went after. I feel like that he was a priority for them to go out there and get in from early camp reports. They said he's getting open quickly, impressive first step, so that's still there. That's important. And said he has a complete understanding of Carolina's route concept. So this is the guy that's getting out there that knows what to do that's going to be a dependable target because for quarterback like Bryce Young, when you talk about the uh, processing that he has, that's one of the biggest things I know he will value in a wide receiver is dependability. And he can look up and know that 19 is going to run that route and he's going to get there. Like I said, he doesn't have to be a 4-3 burner to be a guy that's going to uh, be effective in this offense. I think that, uh, you know, he's just a guy, Not last year, number three in total route wins was Adam Thielen in the NFL uh, when you check out playerprofiler.com. It's also so close to the line of scrimmage, though, I believe those route wins are. I think Bill Barnwell released an advanced stat on ESPN discussing how the average yards mm-hmm. per depth of target weren't anything. Like, they were towards the bottom, which isn't to say that that's a bad thing. It's just to say, I don't know what kind of role Adam Thielen is going to have outside of catching the ball inside 10 yards uh, from the line of scrimmage. Yeah, and he's got a good uh, win rate versus man. He's, he's 29th as well, so um, and his route win rate is number 15, so we'll see, but right now in camp, he looks to be impressive, and as I said, Chark, this is another guy that, as we just talked about, is doing his thing as well, so it looks like Bryce has got him a good duo of wide receivers. And, and honestly, maybe we're micromanaging the wide receiver debate, and in reality, we should be walking away with hey, maybe we'll just have a good wide receiver room this right. year. How about yeah. that? Terrace mm-hmm. Marshall Jr., a little quiet. So that's interesting. Also, same thing with Jonathan Mingo. Yeah. We talked about the rookies not being as involved. We know the tight ends are going to be involved. Frank Reich is telling you as much. Hayden Hurst, while, I mean, just a solid tight end, could be more involved than he was in Cincinnati's offense last year because he's not going to be your number one or number two option in an offense that features Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. So they're going to be looking for the outside quite a bit. Even Tyler Boyd is a really good wide receiver uh, lining up in the slot. And we know that you're expected, even Tommy Tremble is talking about two to three receptions or two to three targets, at least for him as a backup tight end. And so it looks like Bryce Young is going to be okay throwing the the football to some talented guys on this roster. Salesman wrote in on the text line, 704-570-9610. Is Chark better than expected or is our cornerback depth straight booty? He said (laughs) said ass, but I don't know. It just like straight ass feels weird. But anyways, I... Look, maybe, but we've heard that C.J. Henderson went on the field, had actually been playing pretty well. We heard Keith Taylor went on the field, actually playing pretty well. Dante Jackson, he's back in the action. And J.C. Horn is out there healthy. So if the depth, granted it wasn't good last year, but if they're playing better, Wes, and you also have your top two guys healthy and available, that's a good sign. And even if they're not playing well, D.J. Chark, at least in the offseason, He's balling as we talk about it right now. So he's doing exactly what he's supposed to do if those guys aren't up to par. He's supposed to be smoking them, and that's exactly what he's doing. Matt in Greensboro texted and also said, think Chark could have a Ted Ginn-type season. Might not have huge yardage numbers, but will have 10-plus touchdowns. What kind of role do you expect with some of these guys? I know we've talked a lot about DJ Chark, but we also compared him to Terrace Marshall as the deep threat. 
All right, so then we were thinking, okay, maybe it's from Chark to TMJ. Now it looks like Chark might be the guy again with this roller coaster happening. He's the guy going downfield. No, it's this wide receiver that they brought in in the offseason. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just going to depend on how aggressive the Panthers want to be on offense. And from all accounts, you've heard that they feel like they can even go beyond what the what the playbook already is with Bryce Young at quarterback. So uh, I think they're going to utilize Chark's deep ball ability. They're going to utilize that 6'4 size to get those 50-50 balls. And I think Adam Thielen is just going to make his bones, you know, on the uh, on the hashes and, and working over the middle and being a possession-wide receiver. So I think that they're going to complement each other very well. Then you've got TMJ that can come in and, and be that deep route guy. And Mingo's going to be able to uh, learn as well from all of these guys. So I think they all complement each other uh, in different ways. And so I think it's going to come down to how aggressive does Carolina want to be when you start to think about what type of numbers that they could put up, what type of situations are they going to be in? Are the Panthers going to be, I think it starts with how effective they're going to be running it. And if they're able to do that, how much are they going to spoon feed Bryce Young once the schedule starts and they're going against real defenses? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how all this is spread out. 704-570-9610. We've been giving you some numbers here, so allow me to end this segment with a few more numbers for you on DJ Chark. Over the past four seasons, Chark's 33 receptions on passes thrown 15-plus yards downfield ranked tied for 14th among wide receivers and his 11 touchdown receptions on such passes tied for eighth. That all, despite him hardly playing in 2021 due to injury, I think only accumulated just four games. So when you miss a whole season and you're still towards the top, top 10 in some of those categories, being the deep threat in the NFL, this is what I'm excited about to add Bryce Young because I think so much of the time you're scared to let your young QB really turn it loose you don't want him to have a turnover, and then you don't want him to play scared because he's seeing ghosts a la Sam Darnold in primetime football. And so you just try to keep it real confined. Hey, we'll be real creative. We'll bring you a lot of eye candy. We'll bring guys in motion. You hand the football, whatever. Now, nah, man, it looks like Bryce Young could throw that thing deep and have some separation with TJ Chark and Terrace Marshall. It's an interesting concept. We all think we're all so scared of our young QB because you don't want to break them. But it seems like another shrewd move this team has made in the offseason is to get guys that not only can be possession receivers or do the LaVisca, Jonathan Mingo, do the Debo Samuel light roll type thing, but also if you want to attack downfield, you could argue that's the most important time to get separation. And it looks like whether it's a 50-50 ball going to Terrace Marshall on a go route, which he graded excellently at last year, or whether it's Chark, who's been among the better deep threats since he entered the league, it just points to more of the smart moves that they made this offseason for the Carolina Panthers in every way you think of, and, and at least with a lot of these positions. Well, I think Frank Reich, you know, with that quarterback background, I think that went into play as well when they are choosing the type of receivers they want and how they want to run the offense because, again, he's renowned for his offensive prowess. So he's going to know the skill sets of all these guys and utilize them to the best of their ability, and it's as simple as that. And so I think for Bryce Young, he's just the type of guy where he's like, I don't care what type of receivers I have, just give me guys that can get open. It looks like, as they said, Thielen's a guy that's getting open consistently. It looks like DJ Chark is also another guy that's getting open consistently. And then even if he's not, sometimes you can test his athleticism, throwing it up to him and see what he can do. And so I think that plays well into the skill set uh, of one Bryce Young and could make this offense uh, successful, more successful than a lot of people think they could be. I have some other Bryce Young conversation points I want to get to a bit later on in the show, but we skipped every single one of Fitty's flashes yesterday 
How did you feel about that, Fiddy? It, well, look, the, the first time it was crazy. We had Panthers guests coming aboard, and we needed to talk to them, and then we wanted to go to break to make sure they were welcomed on the other side of it. But I still feel like you were a little hurt that we did not get to one Fiddy Flash. Yeah, I mean, I was shunned out of the show yesterday. <laughs> I mean, I did not talk one single time over the air. I threw it to you once. You, you had maybe a couple of one-liners, but you're right. I, I don't know if there's ever been a time that you've talked less on this show. Yeah, no, you, you got into an open gym when you just forgot about your boy back here holding it down. Hey, did you? I hope everybody got to see us just flat out nail some of those full-court football shots. Yeah, man. Go on social media. <laughs> Wes Bryan underscore 72 at Wes and Walker as well. You can hear Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to 3. Sit tight and stay locked because instant replay continues next. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Earlier this afternoon on the Kyle Bailey Show... We now turn our attention to somebody who is probably one of the foremost guys who was the father of modern football analytics, a man who was the former editor-in-chief at Football Outsiders, has now got a brand-new venture with FTN Fantasy. He is Aaron Schatz, who, purchases, who uh, publishes his football almanac every year. It is now under the FTN umbrella, and Aaron joins us on the Bodyworks Plus guest hotline on WFNZ in Charlotte. Aaron, Will Pelagic, big fan of your work. Thank you so much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Hey, thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. So I guess my first question to you is, you know, how difficult was it to to leave that uh, that venture that you built so much to uh, join this new venture here with FTN Fantasy? Yeah, very hard. Uh, it was a very hard decision to make. But for people who've been watching Football Outsiders, they know that the company's had a lot of issues over the last few months. And so this was just the move I had to make. Well, we're looking forward to what you have under your new uh, umbrella, if you will. My first question deals with the team that uh, we cover most exclusively, the Carolina Panthers. Uh, how much does Bryce Young change their value year over year from last year to this year? I mean, I don't think he changes their value much for one year, right? The reason why you draft a rookie quarterback number one overall is for what he's going to do for you in two years and three years and four years. I mean, some number one overall picks will have excellent rookie years, but you have to assume that first-round quarterbacks are going to be bad as rookies. Right, So like our projections assume that Bryce Young is going to be bad as a rookie because, in general, that's what happens with first-round rookie quarterbacks. And then some of them get better and some of them don't. So for this year, I don't think it's like a huge change over what we would have expected if, you know, Andy Dalton was starting, for example. But what matters is what Bryce Young can become next year and the year after that. 
definitely looking at uh, making a progression definitely for him. Uh, defense adjusted value over average is kind of the one bread and butter term that people use when they refer to your work. And I'll ask you about the Panther defense specifically here because I think coming into the 2022 season, people looked at that defense as possibly being the cornerstone of this team because of the type of year they had in 21. We know injuries went badly for them, and obviously that's part of the reason why Matt Rule was fired and they made a coaching change. What does Ejiro Evero bring to the table to try and get them back to the level that they were in 21 as opposed to the regression that happened last year? Well, he ran some great defenses uh, in Denver, and I think he can run a, a good defense here, but they really did decline last year. They were 25th in our ratings on defense last year. We have them better than that in our projections for this year. We have them as an average defense. I know, obviously, if certain players hit, they're going to be better than that. I mean, the one who really comes to mind is J.C. Horn because you just haven't seen as much of Horn on the field as you really want to, but you know the talent is there. So if he hits, this defense could definitely be better than that. I mean, one precept that we always talk about with football analytics is defense is harder to project than offense. So, like, the odds that their defense is surprisingly good are better than the odds that their offense is surprisingly good. Looking at two players in that defense we talked about earlier on in the program, we're talking with Aaron Schatz from FTN Fantasy, joining us here on the Body Works Plus guest hotline on WFNZ in Charlotte. Uh, Jeremy Chin is somebody whose contract is up after this year. Frankie Louvu has the same type of deal, and Louvu really was uh, turned into a cornerstone player for them at the end of last year. Seven sacks, almost doubled his career total. Which of those guys do you feel like is somebody that you would buy stock in if you had to buy stock in one or the other uh, going into uh, the future of their careers? It's tough because Luvu did have that breakout year, but the general belief of, you know, the things that we've learned in analytics is that off-ball linebackers are probably the easiest to replace players on a defense. I mean, obviously what Luvu brought with pass rushing was, was very special, but um, you know, Chin is sort of unique in his ability to move around and play a lot of positions. So if I was going to, you know, favor keeping one of them after this year, you could only keep one of the two. I probably would go with Chin. Interesting there. Uh, Von Bell is somebody who I think we didn't we, we talked a lot about that signing when it was happening. And now that we're in training camp, he's getting a lot of rave reviews from people from his leadership standpoint. How does that solidify things from a, not only chin aspect, but allow you to move chin around more? Very similar to what his role was in the 2020 version of this defense. Yeah, I mean, uh, Bell is a good player. And it does give them flexibility at the safety position. And I mean, I don't know. Look, I don't know about veteran presence. I mean, you want to have some veterans in there, but that's not really something that's measurable. But you know that Vaughn is Bell is a good player, and it it absolutely matters to add good free agents or what free agents you lose. Like we expect that Cincinnati's defense is going to be worse because they lost people like Jesse Bates and Vaughn Bell. So. In equal ways, like, you know, the Von Bell coming to Carolina makes their defense better. 
Thuckman Aaron shots here about the Carolina Panthers. I'll ask you about the NFC South at large in just a moment, Aaron. But I did want to ask you about the infusion of, of Frank Reich into this offensive scheme and, and trying to meld offenses. You know, how, how do you compare what Thomas Brown did in Los Angeles to what Frank Reich's repertoire brings to the table, not just in Indianapolis, but also his time in Philly, where he was credited with uh, obviously getting them to uh, the, the high standards that they were there when he was there at their offensive employ? It's interesting because it's it's um, sort of two branches of the Bill Walsh tree, right? Reich comes from the sort of the Mike Holmgren branch of the tree, um, and uh, Brown comes from this this Sean McVay branch, the Kyle Shanahan slash Sean McVay, all those guys who worked at Washington ten years ago, kind of mm-hmm. branch of the tree. So I don't quite know what it's going to look like combined. I mean, I know like Reich used a lot of shotgun but the rams don't use a lot of shotgun they do a lot of play action from under center so i don't know what it's going to look like when you combine it and i don't know how much it matters that bryce young didn't play a lot of under center in college right most college quarterbacks these days play mostly shotgun so it'll be interesting to see what their offense looks like but reich is a smart guy i think what matters is we know that he's good at coaching up quarterbacks in the sort of you know the ways the, the unmeasurable ways and we know that he's good at decision-making in-game, right? We like him because he's aggressive on fourth down. So I think Reich and Brown should be a good marriage, and they should be able to do something good with the sophomore. Uh, there's been a lot of, I would say, national hate for the wide receiver room that Bryce Young inherits. Uh, G, uh, DJ Chark, Adam Thielen are part of that, Terrence Marshall Jr., uh, Mingo the rookie. Uh, there's a lot of criticism that there isn't a quote-unquote bona fide number one. From an analytic perspective, how much does that matter? I don't know how much it matters that there isn't a bona fide number one. You know, it obviously you do want a guy who draws coverage but, you know, if if you don't have a bona fide number one, but you still have a guy who can run deep routes like Chark, somebody's going to still have to cover him deep, right? Like, I think Chark is kind of underrated if he can stay healthy. He's been a valuable player. I don't really know much about Mingo. Marshall hasn't quite lived up to his draft position. Chenault, you know, same kind of a deal. But I do think Chark is underrated and um, I think is a valuable ad for them. What is your, uh, I guess, supposition about this entire division? I think we all kind of look at New Orleans as the de facto number one going into the year, but that could definitely fluctuate. I think we all are thinking that it's a rebuilding year for Tampa and Carolina and Atlanta kind of sit there in the middle with potential movement up, uh, depending on how the season goes. I'm going to blow your mind here. Mm. Two teams are going to two teams are going to make the playoffs from this division. That's how easy the schedule is for Atlanta and New Orleans. Atlanta and New Orleans have the easiest schedules in the league by a lot compared to the other 30 teams. And we think both of those teams are average. Like, not good, but average. There are a lot of reasons to believe that the Atlanta defense will be better this year, right? I talked about the Panthers adding Bell. Atlanta added Jesse Bates. They added Calais Campbell. They added a lot of other talent on the defensive side of the ball. New Orleans, the defense was already good. So even if those offenses are below average, the defenses look good and the schedules look easy. So we are actually projecting both Atlanta and New Orleans as playoff teams. Who is the most intriguing team 
year over year from a change perspective for you? I'm guessing there's an easy answer to this one with being the New York Jets, but but what are some other teams that are out there that uh, you're looking at and saying might have a breakout year compared to what they were a year ago? I think the Jets, everybody understands the issues with offense, but their defense is very interesting because their defense was really, really good last year despite not having a lot of takeaways. And that would seem to indicate improvement this year because normally a team that doesn't have a lot of takeaways gets better the following year. So I find the Jets' defense to be more interesting than their offense. The other one is Cleveland because if Cleveland's defense improves the way we think that they will and their offense can be what it's been for most of the last three years and what Deshaun Watson was until six games of last year, Cleveland should be absolutely a Super Bowl contender. But the problem is you have that six-game stretch last year, and you're like, what happened? What went wrong? Why was Watson so bad? Why was the Cleveland offense so much better with Jacoby Brissett, for crying out loud, than it was with Deshaun Watson? I tend to believe in sample size and that what we've learned from two or three years of Cleveland and two or three years of Deshaun Watson means more than just six games at the end of last year. So I'm bullish on Cleveland for this year. I'll ask you one more global question before I let you go. Uh, this, again, is probably more of a news story than an analytics story, but I'll just ask it from, from your perspective. How do the analytics of the game affect this whole fiasco going on with Jonathan Taylor, the running backs in the league wanting more money, et cetera, and so on? Well, it has no effect on this business of whether Jonathan Taylor has a back injury or not and whether they're going to put him on the NFI list. But analytics are absolutely responsible for the fact that running backs don't get paid comparatively as much as they used to. Like, I'll fully admit, it's partially our fault because we've shown that not only is the running game not as important as the passing game in the modern NFL, but this is the really important bit. There are too many good running backs. It's not that the really good ones aren't really good. It's that the average ones are also pretty good. <laughs> and so the difference between the top running back and an average run, like a fifth-round pick rookie or something, is really not that large. Like the difference between a top corner and a fifth-round pick corner is much larger than that difference at running back. And that's why you've got to pay corners and edge rushers and, of course, quarterbacks much more than you pay running backs. And I'm sorry that it worked out that way, any solution we're going to come up with is going to have to wait because the current CBA goes through 2030. Incredible stuff. And uh, I understand that it is a situation that's hard for a lot of people, but uh, it's kind of like we always say, you know, there's, there's always that one position that goes through a bit of a cycle in every sport that we have. And unfortunately, it's the running back position, and uh, it's one that everybody needs somebody on the field to be in that position. But uh, Aaron Schatz's football almanac is available on FTNFantasy.com. Get it out at the pre-sale ends, uh, or it just ended, actually, the pre-sale just ended uh, this past week. Weekend, but uh, still plenty to get in uh, on that for your previews for this upcoming season. Aaron, thank you so much for the time. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Book will be available for download either tomorrow afternoon or Thursday morning. You've tuned into Instant Replay when the audio was so good, it has to be heard again. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. 
Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.